Like I used to tell my dad, my dad was a alcoholic. Like I don't drink or smoke, but I learned from his mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember vividly taking him to Alcohol Anonymous. I drove him there and I sat in the class with him. And after the first day, he just never wanted to go back. think that a lot of times when you're in this box of the industry especially what I with what I do you can't even differentiate I can't differentiate Charlie from who AJ is because mm-hmm. my whole life was just like Charlie yeah so like having to like understand why certain things happen and how to separate the two becomes really hard like if I bring my nephew to go play basketball outdoors somewhere mm-hmm. Someone will walk by, yo, isn't that that DJ, like, whatever? And I'll just act like I'm not even that person. Yeah, yeah. Walk into the gym, like, yo, you're char-. Nah, I'm not. Everyone says I look like him, but I'm not him. Because mm-hmm. I'll be dressed like, like yeah, gym yeah, clothes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Huh? yeah. So your name's AJ? Yeah. So where's Charlie come from? Well, so when I was in high school, my name was Brown. They used to call because my brown guy. Yeah, yeah, Call yeah. me Brown. So when I started kind of getting into the DJing, like, towards the end of high school, Brown just seemed very bland. Charlie Brown. DJ Brown uh, just didn't mean it. nothing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So then someone, some guy that I knew was just like, "Yo, Charlie Brown." I'm like, "Oh, I like that name." Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of a thing where it appealed to every audience. Everybody watched that, mm. like for our generation. Yeah. And then Twitter came out, couldn't get Charlie Brown, so shortened it to Charlie B. Gotcha. And then yeah. Okay. Oh, oh that's nice. cool. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just I thought your name was Charlie naturally, right? So. Everybody does. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> said AJ. I was like, yeah, yeah. DJ Charlie B. Yeah. Welcome to the Gen Stock Welcome, Pod. welcome. I'm happy Thank to be here, coming. man. No, we appreciate you coming through. Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, I'm looking forward miss to this conversation. Likewise, likewise. You do a lot of incredible stuff, but you know, it's not just the you know as a DJ, it's not just the the music side of things. You do a lot of space, a lot of stuff in the mental health space that we want to talk about. Right. Um, but firstly, who's AJ? So AJ's a kid that grew up in North York um, that fell in love with music at a very young age. I had an older brother that was uh, trying to become a DJ at the time. And um, he's four years older than me. And um, he had a set of turntables in the room. So when he wasn't home, I'd mess around with his stuff when <laughs> I probably shouldn't Without have been. his permission, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, you know, we had turntables, so there's like needles. So he'd think you're younger, you don't know how to be responsible. Yeah. You're going to break my needles, and he doesn't have money to buy back the needles. Mm. And, um, yeah, I was selling burn CDs in high school for $5, you know, a CD. And that's when we had like 2X and 4X burners. Mm-hmm. So it would take me like 25 minutes to burn a CD. Yeah. So I'd be up all night, you know, literally burning these CDs because people at school would give me a list and say, Yo, AJ, like, you know, these are the songs we want on this. And then if I couldn't get certain songs from Napster or LimeWire, yeah. I would, like, just put exclusive songs that I liked and hope that they would like them, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of them would complain saying, oh, you didn't get that specific song that I wanted. Can't keep everybody happy. Right? I mean, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, like, I got into, obviously, DJing on his stuff when he wasn't home. And then I started um, buying records myself. So my first job was at McDonald's. 16 years old and I'd literally just wait to get paid and then I would take that money and go to play the record or tracks downtown and like every other Thursday when I'd get paid and just spend all the, the whole check on records because mm. one record was obviously $13 and there's only one song on it radio instrumental dirty acapella on the other side and that's it yeah 
And obviously the well, well-known DJs at the time would always get first dibs. So mm. I'm walking in there and I'm seeing like starting from scratch and all these guys that I look up to and I'm like, yo, can I get that? Because they'd buy two records because mm. they'd be on the radio and they'd go back and forth and I could only afford one of them. And then I'd be like, yo, can I just buy that one instead? But they'd need them. So it's like that showed me at a young age that I needed to build my brand to the point of showing up to these places and they know who I am. Mm. So I think that was the first sign for me to be like, okay, it's time to take this seriously yeah. so that you don't get like pushed to the side. And um, yeah, and then I started kind of getting to know the guy that ran the record store and we had a great relationship and that's when I started getting exclusive records and started DJing in apartment buildings to like basement parties. And I mean, like I, I really started from the bottom, like for real, like I really, you know, been through a lot of different situations that a lot of people haven't, you know, really been through as a DJ. It's like, you grow and climb this ladder and a lot of people that come after you, they don't see the work you've put in mm. because they weren't around for it, yeah. which is, you know, which makes sense. Yeah. And I think that um, for me, like I remember, I couldn't even afford like buying a milk crate. We'd literally like get a recycling bin and put records in them. Mm. I remember DJing at a party and shots letting off in the party and I'm mm. grabbing my recycling bin with records running out of the back door, Jeez. Yeah. you know? And that's just like, there's so many things that I've went through and as obviously a grown man now, I'm realizing there was so much trauma from all that stuff that I never really kind of thought about. Yeah. I just thought it was normal because we kind of lived in it. You know, you born and raised in the streets and, you know, you go to these parties, you just kind of know what your surroundings are and it is what it is, you know? And I think that um, it came to a point where, you know, you get immune to certain things. Like I could feel it in the air, you know? I'll go to a party and I'll be like, yo, this does not look yeah. right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. then you right just- away, you're just yeah. like, ooh. Yeah. It's gonna be one of those nights. <laughs> you walk yeah. in and it's just in the air, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, you know what? You, you kind of know when to leave and you know kind of how to move. And I think, um, you know, it really, like the street smart really taught me a lot. And I think that, um, you know, moving forward to obviously with these records and what we're talking about, I think, you know, I wanted more. And I started realizing that now it was going from records to CD players. So they started kind of moving forward with like that era of like records are gonna be kind of canceled out. Started DJing on CDs for a while and uh, I didn't want to. I got forced to DJing on CDs because somebody stole all my records out of my trunk oh. on my birthday. Mm. So I literally went out one night and I came home three o'clock in the morning. You know, you're exhausted. You're DJing for like five hours. You have like five different crates to bring in the house. It wasn't happening. But I'm not thinking that anybody knows that there's records in my trunk. But, you know, you associate yourself and communicate with people. You don't know, you don't know who, who knows what. what yeah. to who who yeah. told something to whatever, who's really on your side or not. 100%. So definitely just woke up the next morning to go get my records to practice because I had a party that day for my birthday. Opened the door and my trunk was wide open. And I was just like, all right, like... Biggie's first albums in there, like Mob D, Pac, mm. like a whole bunch of stuff that aren't even represses of the records. They're actually like the original. And, um, you know, it's hard-earned money. Like during this time, obviously, like I'm building my brand. Yeah. And this is this is the digital marketing, having the right records and being able to play the right spots. <clears throat> but if you don't have the right records, you can't obviously play. can't play them. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was it was a very tough time for me. And, and that day, um, yeah, like it felt like it felt like a death in the family, you know? Mm. I lost all my records. I felt like I lost my life. And I think that that same day, my brother was living in Windsor at the time. I drove to Windsor and he gave me records because he had like doubles of certain records. Mm. And that kind of, you know, 
ease the pain a bit. Yeah. But um, luckily, we're tra- we're, there was a transformation from records to CDs. Hmm. So that was kind of a blessing in disguise for me because we didn't really need the records. But I, I would have loved them for like the collection aspect. Yeah, of course. And um, yeah, I started DJing off CDs. And um, and then obviously like the, the laptop stuff came into play like further down the road. But um, I learned a lot in that process of, of really, you know, not sweating certain things because at the end of the day, like we all go through things, we all have a story, we all have issues, but it's just overcoming and just becoming stronger because of it. Mm. And I think during my time of, of really starting out, I, I didn't want to rely on promoters to hire me. Mm. And I had a great network, so I told myself, why don't I just throw my own parties? And if promoters hire me, cool. But if something happens with me and these promoters or they don't want to pay me what I want, I throw my own parties and it is what it is. Yeah, you're not reliant on someone else anymore. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, I've obviously, I threw my first party when I was 18. Um, I've been in the game 20 now and I'm still obviously throwing events, touring, doing what I got to mm-hmm. do. But things are different now, right? I think you get to a certain point where um, you you have to form a team because obviously, as you guys know, you can't do anything yourself. Mm-hmm. And you got to understand everything's about timing and knowing that, okay, like this generation is now moved on. They're having kids, you know, people are into their career now. They're not really partying like that. So now you have to find somebody that is in the the next generation coming up and you got to mold them and bring them up Mm. and kind of mentor them and mold them for you to kind of sustain. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting market, but I realized at, at an early age that, marketing was very very important i think people forget that as a dj you're also an entrepreneur yeah like you're running a business you're running a business i'm filing taxes every year it's not mm-hmm. a joke I'm, yeah. I'm, you know <laughs> like it, it, it's yeah. it's real and i think that it's it's important to you know differentiate like your club life mm-hmm. from like your real life mm-hmm. and 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 you know it's easy to get lost in it because i feel like nightlife is it could be the worst situation for you because you have access to everything whether it's women whether it's drugs whether it's alcohol there's there's so many different you know things that can cause issues for yourself and if you don't have a strong mind it's very hard to like you know resist all those things right because it's like how do i you know see everyone else doing it and i'm not doing it participate you're walking into that environment intentionally to produce your craft and then you got to basically cut out half the environment. Right. Yeah. And then you think about, you know, how important it is. Well, I thought about how important it was to have mentors and people mm. that like coaches, mental mental coaches and people that can help me kind of grow as a person. And it's so hard because everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people that you're around are not really on anything like that. Everyone's just living for the next day. Yeah. And for me, it's like, what's the next step for me? Because I'm going to get bored doing this all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think my biggest dopamine was, you know, throwing a sold out party. You know, you throw out a sold out party. There's a thousand people there. You're like, yo, I did it. And you're taking the happiness from this party and you're spreading it across the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So AJ's not really happy, but Charlie's ecstatic. So you know what? Charlie's Charlie is AJ. So, yeah. Well, how do you bridge the gap between the two? Well, because your persona, your outward persona is DJ yeah. Charlie B. Yeah. And then your inward persona is is AJ, yeah. right? Like that's your private face. Right. How do you merge the two faces or do you keep them separate? You know what? It's 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 tough. I've always managed to separate the two. Like I don't really post a lot of personal stuff on 
like socials like that. I'm right. really just like about the business and about my commitment to the community and the things that I do on the philanthropy aspect. But um, yeah, like I'm I'm really low key. I'm pretty much if if I were to define myself, I'm a introvert that was forced to be an extrovert. Mm. Like I'm really not like the guy that's super loud and does all this stuff. I just feel like when I got into the industry, I was in it for the music and the love of music. But once I found out what came with it in terms of the business part of it, I was already in too deep. Yeah. And then you have a team that you work with and you're like, well, I can't let these people down either. So you end up living for that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I gotta make sure my guys eat, make sure they're good. And you put yourself in a position where you put yourself at risk, where it's like, I'm not taking the time to, you know, treat myself with kindness. I'm saying, you know what? Yeah, forget about you right now. Let's make sure they're good. Mm. Because my happiness would come from helping other people. Mm at the time like everybody like if if there's anyone obviously watching this that knows me knows who i am as a person and they know that i've always put everyone else before myself and i think that because people see what i do in terms of like on instagram or whatever social you know and even when they see me it's all love people always say check on your strong friend and i think that people don't really check in with me like that because they think i'm good who takes care of the caregiver right and and that's the thing it's like and when you're a person that doesn't ask for help they think you're good yeah like oh like charlie you're good man you're all right but they don't realize what's happening to you in terms of like internally and i was like i had to take the time to really figure myself out who is aj himself what does he like what is his interest every time like i'd look at old Facebook conversations with people. Like, sometimes they get into that vibe. Looking back at that now, it's like, what were you really doing? You were just working. Mm. You weren't really, you know, setting the time aside for yourself and and what you really like. Like, I'm an avid wrestling fan. I love wrestling Mm. since I was a kid. Yeah. And I always made time for that. And, but if I had a gig and Monday Night Raw's in town, I'm going to the gig. Yeah. Because I'm going to get this money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was so hard for me to like pull back and say, you know what? I don't want money today. I'm going to focus on enjoying myself because you don't know how long the money's going to come in with the industry that you're in. Yeah. That's like the opportunity. constant risk of if you don't, if you don't go out and work, you don't get the bread. There you go. Right. And you can potentially lose a look or if an owner's hiring you to DJ a club and you say you can't do it, he might go with someone else and he might not hire you again. Yeah. Well, there goes your relationship and there goes your money. So it's a, it's a very, um, you know, it's a very tough industry and, um, you know, it's very important to have a balance. And I think that that's something I never had. I'm always moving on a hundred, always people pleasing, always just trying to make sure that everyone's okay. And then, you know, you, you start to lose yourself in the process because you're just doing the same thing all the time. And I think that I had to learn how to like do some, something different, you know, and be okay with it. Sometimes, you know, we're uncomfortable to do new things. We just want to go with what we're already doing. Mm. So we'd rather just go the comfortable way. Mm. But sometimes you got to get uncomfortable to be comfortable again for like a new normal, you know? You got to stay uncomfortable. Who's your favorite wrestler? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Honestly, like there's a bunch, but... um, Give us like your top three. Speaking of wrestling though, like you got you to gotta really break it down to like, you know, molecules and atoms. Like what are we talking about? Personality? technical wrestler you know like who gives you the most joy from a fan perspective 
from a fan perspective, I'd have to say The Rock to me. The Rock, yeah. 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 Okay. Stone Cold was crazy. Stone Cold was that incredible. era was that entire so, era. Yeah. Like I was a big WCW guy though. I yeah, loved my WCW. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I was Sting, never, uh, yeah, Sting, yeah. NWO, Black and Wolfpack. Yeah, like, NWO was crazy. Though. Yeah, when 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 Hogan moved over and, and did Ooh, the flip, that broke my heart. Yeah. That was on my birthday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything was on your birthday. The same, same, birth, the same birthday. July seventh, I was watching Bash at the Beach. Yeah, and I seen Hogan come out, and I'm like, yo. Hogan's coming to save these guys, yeah. Savage and Sting. Next thing you know, he turns. Oh my! That leg drop. Oh, yeah. Did you see all the garbage in the ring? Yeah, yeah. people were yeah, yeah. so mad. They bought into it. Yeah, it was so real. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that was great. Like I think one of the highlights of AJ's life would have been having lunch with Bret Hart in Calgary. Really? Oh, nice. Yeah, that's incredible. So I'm really cool with his son, and um, I told him I had a gig in Calgary. Yeah, and he's like, "Yo, you want to go to lunch with my dad?" I'm like. Of course I do. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to meet Brett. Oh, it was crazy. How's he? What's he like? You know what? Brett's had a tough, a tough life. Yeah. You know, a very, very tough life, and I think he's the ultimate, um, the ultimate OG. Like a very, very, you know, respectful person, and uh, he gave me a lot of gems. He gave me his book signed. Nice. I didn't even ask him to like. Wow. And and one thing he gave me that was absolutely legendary was his glasses. Oh, you're yeah. kidding. And he actually put them on me. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And like as a kid, like yeah, yeah. he'd come out I'm really with, jealous right and now. And he'd always always yeah. put it on. Yeah. And like, that was that and was I'd, the thing. Right? And I'd be yeah. like, I, I wish that that was me. Yeah. He put it on me as an adult and nice. I felt like I was a kid again. So it was it, it was a great uh yeah, it was a great time. You know, he's a he's a great person. But uh doesn't that just motivate you to want to use your own platform to hopefully give someone else that feeling? Yes. Yes. And that's the thing, right? It's like that's what I've been doing. When the pandemic hit, yeah. I was telling myself, all right, Charlie, like, this is the Charlie side. Mm. <laughs> what are you going to do now? Yeah. All the clubs are closed. We can't go anywhere. Go anywhere. We can basically, we, basically, sorry. We can't go anywhere. You can't really see anybody in person. And, like, family, mem family members are disagreeing on different things, like, you know, whether to take the the shot or not take the shot there's just so yeah, many different so many things. things so many things got people divided right yeah. and it was like how do you put yourself you know because i want to stay busy mm. so how do i put things into perspective to continue to keep working so this is where the aj part came in because i was like okay well charlie's saying you got to stay busy mm. aj's saying do something meaningful so how do i get charlie and aj to meet in the middle and that's when i said okay what's something you've always wanted to do and I've always wanted to give back, like on a bigger scale. Mm. I've always give back amongst my my team and people that I know. But how can I give back and 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 make it more broad? And that's when I thought of an initiative um, that was called Saturday Love, and that was an initiative that I did to give back to DJs. Like, why not give back to DJs? Because I am one of them, and I th I felt like you know I'm a leader in that space, and. Um, I saw DJ Envy do something at the time where he raised over a hundred thousand dollars for, um, you know, for a bunch of DJs across um, America, and I thought of an idea similar to that. So I called him because we have a great relationship. I said, en "Envy, what do you think? Like, I want to do this in Canada, but I want your blessing because I don't want to make it seem like I'm trying to rip mm -hmm. what you were doing." And you know, I had a similar idea, and he's like, "Charlie, do it." And um, I set it up. I, I put together like I, I called a bunch of DJs that I respected that were, you know, still in a better place financially. And I did a 12 hour um, DJ-a-thon on Twitch. And um, we raised money and it was it was so much fun. So many people logged in and tuned in. There's a lot of sponsors that donated money. 
Um, and we ended up raising, our goal was $20,000, but we ended up raising 25, nice. which was Congrats, great. We got man. to, no, thank you That's so incredible. much. You know, it's, it's, it's such a great feeling to be able to give back. And, you know, we ended up, uh, helping 50 DJs, you know, get through a tough month. Yeah. So tough I was year, tough two years, tough. Yeah. Like just the ability to just continue for another day, another week. Right. Like I think everything went to like, you know, back to the basics mm. where it's like nothing matters anymore. Your nice car doesn't matter. Hmm. You know, the money you got don't matter. Because guess what? We can't go nowhere right now. Yeah. Yeah. So all yeah. we have is us. So how can we work to collectively together to get through this? Yeah. Because you, your money couldn't save how you felt. Because a lot of people will, will mask it or whatever mm -hmm. it is, however they, they do their thing. But I think at this time, it didn't matter if you were rich, if you are middle class, or didn't have a lot of money. We're all on the same level yeah, now. Level playing field. There yeah. you go. So I think that for me... It was just, you know, how can I continue to do these initiatives and continue to stay busy, but do things that I love to do? Hmm. And then, you know, we did another initiative, um, you know, for uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, I wanted to get all DJs to unite against racism. You know, that was a big thing. I grew up, you know, majority of my friends were uh, obviously like different ethnic backgrounds. Grew up around a lot of black people for sure. And, you know, my mom used to babysit a lot of, you know, kids at the time. They were all different ethnic backgrounds. And. I knew how important it was, and during that time, like how important black lives are to me. Mm. And um, I wanted to create something uh, to, to raise some money, mm -hmm. to, to help, um, you know, to, to help like a black group that was doing some, some business. And uh, at the time, I was very premature in terms of the idea because I was trying to think of what to do. And um, yeah, we ended up doing this um, DJ takeover on Flow at the time. And I called everybody that I knew. So I got DJ Envy to do a mix. DJ Clue did a mix. Just Incredible from LA. And then a bunch of people from Canada as well. And um, we ended up raising $56,000. And uh, we donated it to the Black Health Alliance. It helped them with a new program called Thrive. Uh, helps a lot of, um, you know, helped a lot of black kids um, in low poverty and um, that have chronic illnesses as well. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was just a very, you know, very sensitive situation and you know knowing what i do and and you know i, I specialize in obviously playing hip-hop and r&b first and that's obviously black culture and to me like that's done a lot for me in my life mm -hmm. and uh i really want to play a part in doing what i could mm -hmm. so i'm i was really happy that we that we raised that amount yeah. of money yeah. it was great man it was a good time you know seeing everybody kind of support what we had going on like there's nothing like people supporting a great cause yeah you know? When, when there's a large group of it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially connected through music, right? Music's universal, right? If, yes. If, the music, if, if it hits you, it just hits you. Like, yeah. That's the thing, of, like, you know, within with music, when it, like, it's just, that's the thing I love music, because, like, it doesn't matter. It's something you hear a beat, and it doesn't matter. You're just like, oh, like, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing that, oh, that's why I love DJs, too. Yeah. I was always wondering, like, is, is the DJ community, like, a family, or is it, like, a dog-eat-dog -dog world? Because, you know... That's a great question. That's a very, very great question. I mean... Let me think about how I'm going to answer this. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think like anything in life, in terms of like anything that's competitive, it's going to be competitive. Sure. If you're a sprinter, you're a sprinter, you're going to compete. But I think that like, it's like anything, right? Like, unfortunately, when rappers are alive, they don't get the flowers that they're supposed to get Fox. until they're not here anymore. Like, and that's just like a hip hop thing yeah, yeah. where it's like, I've seen it happen. Like, I think Pac was obviously bigger after he passed. Yeah. But how much flowers did he get when he was here? He was obviously huge, but 
you know, I think that a lot of it, even with DJing, where it's like, I don't think I'm going to get the love or respect I'm supposed to get from that community until I stop doing it. That's sad. It's hard to always say. Even like sports, it's like you don't really get recognized until you're done. Like, everyone wants to hit on LeBron, but Mm -hmm. five years after LeBron retires, everyone's going to be like, oh my, like, you're going to, even like with Kobe, too, because people forget, like, I'm used to hate Kobe. Yeah. Forever. Then he retired, like, he passed, retired, then was like, Obviously, he was great. Yeah. But it's like, you just realize how many people just after. And it's like, why is it always after that you have to, like, show love? Yeah, Yeah, I think it's because... I just feel like it's because they're not in competition with you anymore because you're not doing Mm -hmm. it. So it's like, well... Oh, I can show this guy love. It's not going to actually help him get above me or ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Right, and I think that, you know, that's the wrong way to think. Yeah. You know how many OGs I have or even DJs that came before me that I looked up to that I still call to this day and I'll be like, yo, thank you so much for like helping me when I was coming up. Mm. You don't get that a lot. I don't get that a lot. DJs don't be calling me saying, yo, Charlie, like, thanks for putting me on for the last, you know, five or six years or whatever it is. And yeah. they don't need to. I mean, they're not obligated to do that. But I think... It's a courtesy thing. Right. And yeah. I think the little things are the biggest ones. Yeah. Like if someone called me and said, yo, honestly, I just called to say thank you for everything... I'm gonna put you on the next five parties I'm going on yeah, yeah. because I know that you think the way I think. Mm. Because no matter what happens, I'm always gonna thank the people that came before me, that gave me an opportunity. It's important. Like we, we only have one life to live, and it goes really fast. Yeah, really you know? fast, way too fast. <laughs> Which leads me to my next question here. You do all this philanthropic work for for all these different communities, and I commend you on that because it's incredible stuff. And there's more that you're doing with Mary Brown that mm-hmm. I want to ask you about, but. Before we get there, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, who takes care of the caregiver. Yeah. So what do you do to take care of yourself when you're not constantly trying to find ways to take care of others? Honestly, like it was it was a it was an uphill battle for me. You know, I remember talking to one of my homegirls about um, just mental health in general. I've known her for like, I don't know, 15, 17, 15, 16 years. And um, she would always send me all this stuff, like on Instagram, like all this like mm. mental health stuff. And, yeah. you know, you should download this app and, you know, do these breathing exercises. And, um, you know, you should uh, journal all these different things that were at the time to me. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'd be like, I'm good. Like, she'd always call and be like, yo, are you doing this stuff? And I'd just be like, yeah, I'm good. Like, stop telling me about this stuff. Because I grew up in an Indian household where my parents met when they got married. The, the day they got married, they met each other. So they had to make it work. Yeah, I grew up in a very broken uh, environment, and I think that my parents, you know, they would think, you know, seeing a therapist or journaling or doing anything like that was, like, for crazy people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they never kind of had the resources or, you know, they just, they were born and raised in India. They came here. Different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that it's like. It's not a thing for them. Right. But then what happens, right? You're growing up and you think that it, that ain't a thing either. Yeah. Um, and I think that like, you know. It's not easy. It, it's, it's not, it's not. And, and, and when I look back, so my dad passed in 2013. And I think that during that time I should have saw a therapist. I really do. But because my parents didn't believe in that stuff, I thought, Hey, like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'll be all right. You know, I don't think, I think mental health is really out there even more now than it was obviously back then. Absolutely. You were just, when I was growing up, you were just taught to just be strong. Like you just. Man up. Whatever, yeah. Forget well, about it. Right. And I think that not seeing a therapist when he passed created a lot of, a lot more trauma for me as the years kind of went by. And um, 
you know, it, it, it's hard because you're, you're really trying to to find a happy medium with your for, with my you know DJ side or promoter side, and then myself. And I think that I had to really just take some time away to figure out who I was. You know, I got booked to DJ in Bali and in Singapore a few months ago, and I went seven days before I had to DJ. So I went a week before, so I could really just go there and just like figure myself out like literally walk the beach at sunrise mm -hmm. six o'clock in the morning there's nobody on the beach just me and i'm just walking up and down the beach and just like breathing that air and like you know i started getting into you know um uh, meditating and i started getting getting into like you know journaling getting rid of the stuff that's in my brain like mm -hmm. getting all the thoughts out and um it's helped me drastically like, I feel like when I look back at some of these, you know, clips of me DJing a year ago, at some points, I don't even know who that person is, Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I'm understanding on a deeper on a deeper level who I am. And you've got to kind of do the work. Like, time will heal your pain, but you have to take the steps to get there. It's important. And that's something that I keep with me. And, you know, you know, people will say you shouldn't talk about the things that you do to help yourself. But I feel like I want to because there's a lot of people that feel the same way that I do, but they don't have the courage to speak about it. For me, it's like, I think that this is me now, and I think that it's important for people to understand how important it is to take care of yourself. You have to. So what advice would you give to, to younger, younger DJs coming up? Honestly, just stay true to yourself. It's really important because I think um, you can really lose yourself in the process. And... Um, just give it a sec, sorry. Yeah, I'll take your time. I think it's uh it's important to, you know, like just give me a sec. You're good, man. You're good. Take your time. I think ultimately it's one of those things where we have to we have to go easy on ourselves. Yeah. I think we make things a lot more challenging for ourselves because we don't give ourselves a moment to just breathe, to accept that life has thrown us a curveball and we weren't prepared for it. And we can, as guys, think of all the different ways we could have done better, but really and truly sometimes there's nothing you could have done in that situation. You know, it's hard because, you know, you, a lot of the times you see potential in people before they see it in themselves. Yes. Hmm. So imagine being that person that, sees that potential but then having them turn on you hmm. because a nice feeling. they might feel like oh like you helped them to a certain level now it's time for them to like branch off but I feel like there's a way to do it Yeah. so where they thank you at least right thank you yeah. or it's like there's a way to do things yeah you know I think that not everybody knows how that works because they might not have the right guidance or the right people in their corner so I think for me the first thing back then would be for me to be like, all right, you know what? You're just cutting the person off. But growing in this space, you realize how important it is to be positive, yeah. no matter what the outcome is. If that's what you want to do, cool, no problem, no hard feelings, even though you know what they're doing is wrong. But my advice to the DJs coming up would be to keep your circle small, keep, it, keep the energy around you right, because you could be around the, right, the wrong energy and think it's the right energy. And it could, especially in that world, right? Especially in that world, a very different path, right? Because you don't know 
who you're meeting mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. and, what, right? and what their motive is what their mo- yeah and i think that it's it's hard to to like depict that sometimes you're like well because people do it so well now <laughs> so it's like okay like yeah, are you I'm only real looking one out or? for you bro don't worry yeah, I, got, I got you, I got right. you. Yeah. next thing you know no no you only got yourself like yeah. right you got to just understand that this is a business and you know it's important to make time for yourself um and differentiate the charlie and the aj because if you don't not everybody because you know some people are able to just go on and do what they got to do mm-hmm. but then they end up feeling if they feel it later on in life mm-hmm. for me i'm like okay thank god i've you know been able to get to this point before 40 because when i hit 40 it's the second half of my life that's going to begin so what's all the work that you put in from you from you know from i was a little kid to to 40 years old like how how am i going to take this next chapter because you only you're only we're only getting older now and it's only going to get harder yeah right because if i was sitting here 10 years ago you wouldn't see a tear come out of my eye mm-hmm. because you go through all those trials and tribulations and it obviously makes you who you are. Like I wouldn't regret what, whatever's happened to me for, you know, my life, but you know, I take it's my time lesson. to, to have, yeah, it's a lesson yeah. and, 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 and you grow from it. And I think my advice to these DJs and I talk to them all the time, a lot of these guys and, you know, take my advice for what it is. I've been here. I've been doing mm. it for a long time at a at a high level, you know, and uh, I've seen a lot in, in in this industry, and I've seen the good and I've seen the bad. So I think that um, yeah, it's 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 hard because I feel like DJs aren't really being recognized as much as they used to before. It's not. They're just not getting the credit anymore. Mm-hmm. There's very few that do, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this is why we created that you know the tasty mix initiative with mary browns as well because tell us about that that was something that um you know i was trying to do another dj initiative for the next generation it's tough because some of these djs are planted in these clubs until they want to leave so it it doesn't leave room for opportunity for these other guys Mm. and when these other say for example a dj has been djing at a club for the last five years and he wants to take a night off he's going to get another dj to come in but dj is not going to get the money he's supposed to get yeah and be like, oh, you're playing for the opportunity, which I understand. But at a certain point, it's not really an opportunity anymore. Yeah. Like I built, like look at the stuff you got to do. You got to leave your house and know that you're going to be home at three o'clock in the morning. And you got to study music. You got to make sure you, you know, you entertain the crowd. You got to put on this mask for people, even if you're not even feeling good that day. You got to be happy. Hmm. And I think that like DJs need to be treated better, right? Because even... You know, I've seen it. I've been through it where club owners will just treat DJs not good, bro. Yeah. Not good. Like one of my one of my guys went to DJ a club the other day and he said the club owner was yelling at him because he said, Why'd you turn the music off? But there's a way to speak though. Yeah. Like, look, listen, there's definitely a miscommunication here where one of your security guards told me to turn the music off at three o'clock. You're coming here screaming at me saying, Turn it back up like I'm some like I'm your little lackey. Yeah. Yeah. When it's like you know, and that's why for me, at a certain point, if owners paid me, they're employing me. So they're not going to talk to me like I'm on the same level as them, mm-hmm. as a human being. Mm-hmm. So the only way for our relationship to get really strong is for me not to work for you. So if I have a genuine connection with you and we're cool, guess what? I'm not DJing at your club because it's just, you're you going to treat me differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, getting back to what we're talking about, I think that, um, 
it's important to to do our part. Um, like think about what you guys do and, and the great things you guys do. When you guys want to add someone else to this, or you guys want to take take this to another level, you're going to want to bring someone in to to train them on how to do something like this, mm. because that's going to fulfill you as well. Where it's like you're taking all the time and all the effort and the work you put in, and all the losses and wins that you took, to put it into someone else and say, "Look, you don't have to make these mistakes. I got you." And that's something that I did for what I had going on. And I think that you know, there's some people that appreciate it and tell you they appreciate it, and there's some people that, that don't, and you just gotta go with the people that do appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's important in this industry to um, continue to to ask questions. That's what I did, like, you know, for example, like Wayne Warner, he's one of my, my mentors. I've DJed his parties for, I don't know, maybe 10 years, and he's like the biggest urban nightlife promoter ever. He's been throwing parties for 25 years, and he's a he's great at what he does, but he's even better at being like my mentor. Hmm. Like I told him the other day, I'm like, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't talk to you. You know, it's 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 like it's important to have these people in your corner that actually want to see you win, like genuinely, genuinely, really yeah, want to see you, that, yeah. right? Almost want to see you win more than you want. The more than like you know, because when, when the days when you don't feel like you're gonna win, they're like, yo, you got this. Like you are, you. you're good. Like you know, yeah. right? Because it's like you feel that energy it's different when those people are like i'd always want certain people that have guided me and mentored me to be proud of me mm-hmm. and um and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's a little it depends how you look at it but seeking validation is something that i always do where i'd want someone to like rate me where it's like okay when i'd finish djing at the club I'd, like finish djing a set i go to the owner yo how did i play man but it's like, you really want him to be like, yo, you killed it. Mm-hmm. Because you want that validation from him that you did a good job. But validation starts with yourself. Internally. And that's something I never really knew for a long time. I always wanted people to like me. I wanted people to be like, yo, Charlie, man, you're the guy. Like, I, I lived for that. But it it also stems from, like, being a little kid. Like, if you, what do we do when we were young? We wanted to get good grades. Good because grades. we wanted our parents wanted to be parents. like, exactly. yo. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to go buy you McDonald's. I'm going to get you an Aero chocolate bar on Friday. Like, it's like that was the thing. But imagine everything stemming from childhood and then leading to being an adult. We carry that with us. Carry it. Yeah. So that's one thing I teach these guys as well and these these women as well, where it's like the validation is going to come from yourself. Mm. Treat yourself with kindness and just know that like your validation is in here and that's what's going to help you project the energy outward. For me, my validation was from someone else. Mm-hmm. If someone asked me, Charlie, what do you think of this? What's the first thing I'm doing with, if I'm with one of my friends? Yeah, what do you think of that? Yeah. No, no, you gotta ask yourself. Tell them how you feel. Mm. And that was so hard for me because I didn't wanna like say something and have someone else look at me like, yo, why, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'd rather say, all right, you, make the, you say the answer because I don't wanna be you in the You wanna be responsible, yeah. Yeah, so I think that like, it's important um, to really take all the lessons that we've learned and share them with people that are actually going through the same thing that don't want to talk about it. Like even, I don't know if you guys know who Zark is. Do you know who Zark is? No. So Zark used to own a bunch of clubs, a bunch of restaurants, um, and he actually lives in Costa Rica now, and he does a lot of retreats, and um, he's a mental health coach. And looking at him, like, years ago, and looking at him now, I'm like, man... Like he's come so far mm. because he was like the guy 
you know, like in terms of like what I was right. into. Like if I wanted to throw a party at a club called Maison, for example, I'd call Zark. Right. He owned the club. Mm-hmm. Yo, can you da 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 da? And it's like I seen you know Zark in the craziest drip, like all designer all the time. Like he's the guy, right. you know. And I kind of you know watched what Zark was doing after like not being involved in the club scene and seeing how much he's built himself up and how happy he is now internally because he's himself. Yeah. You know, like his name is Zarak, but they called him Zark, Mm. you know, and he was just comfortable with being Zark. And now he's, you know, comfortable with who he is. Who he really is. Who he really is. Yeah. And I think that like seeing that showed me like, it's okay to be yourself. Are you comfortable with who you are? Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm definitely comfortable with who I am, um, but it, it, obviously it's a it's a it's a day to day process. Sure, where you're just like okay, like you know, I've never been a guy that's been this like I'm a show off and you know this is me. Like the bigger that I've got in this industry, and I still got a long way to go. But as much as I've climbed this ladder, I've kind of just helped people more the more I've climbed. Mm. I wasn't a guy saying, oh, I'm getting to this level now, so you know I'm not dealing with you guys or I'm too good for this or no, I've I've only like wanted to grow to help more people. Yeah. Cause as much as I've grown, that's all I've done. Mm. Try to put people on, help them out. And it's like in this industry you realize who you know, who the real people are and who the people who are the people that aren't real, for example. Yeah. It's like you have to really you know, you gotta do your homework and you gotta know like there's certain things that I used to see and I never had the answers for them. I'd say, Why is this person moving like this or why is this person moving like that? And growing in this space mentally, as AJ, I realized why those people were moving like that at the time. You know, why am I hitting you so many times you're not responding to me? Mm. Guess what, that person's having me time right now. But I could never understand it. Yeah. I would just think, this guy's not serious about like growth. Yeah. You don't wanna like, you don't, you don't wanna grow this thing. Cause I'm thinking there's timing on shit. Like, oh, if we don't like hit this now, we're not gonna get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of it for example, like if someone would ask if someone would ask me to do something, I'd do it right away. Mm. And that's how I would grow. So that's how I think my whole life was. If I don't do something right now, I'm gonna lose it. It's but a lot I, of pressure that way. Right? Yeah. Lots of pressure. But it was helping me grow. Yeah. So I thought it was right. Until I got to a point where I'm like, you know what? You gotta slow down a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, what's for me is always gonna be for me the end of the day things are going to work out however they're supposed to yeah so whether i answer this text message in five seconds or answer it in five hours whatever's going to happen is going to happen yeah and i think that having to agree with that was tough yeah you know like what's for me is always going to be for me so without feeling like you're being unproductive too right yeah (laughs) that's the thing it's like you go on a vacation for i've never been on a vacation i've always related vacation to work and traveled for work which is not the same as vacation no but I thought it was like people would say yo aren't you excited to go lay on the beach I'm like lay on the beach for what (laughs) (laughs) and I think that like taking that time it's just hard because you're like when you climb the ladder you're spoiled in the business you're like well if I got a DJ in Jamaica or the Cayman Islands I'll just go five days before chill out for three days work and go home yeah like I literally DJed in Phoenix on Friday and then I DJed in Vegas on Saturday for fight night and I took the 6 a.m. flight home because I just wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like none of those hotel beds ever get touched. 
You know, I, I walk in there, I sit on the couch, I do whatever work I got to do, and it's straight to the club. Yeah. I take the latest flight out, early flight home, earliest flight home, because I'm there to do business. So now I'm learning how to differentiate. Okay, this is your me time. You're going to take a vacation, and now this is your work time. Hmm. So it's like, yeah, it's it's it's. When's a, your next vacation? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think um, after my birthday in July, okay. I'm gonna take some time. Uh, I don't know where yet, but I think, uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to do that. And also, I've been taking the time to celebrate other people more. You know, like one of these girls that's on my team, she just got her degree, nice. and um, I'm so proud of her because. Her friend circle is not into doing school and stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, which makes it all the harder, right? Yeah. And I told my partner, I'm like, Yo, Philly, like we gotta throw, we gotta throw a dinner for her. We have to. Mm-hmm. We gotta get her balloons. We gotta do it at her favorite place because we want to celebrate her accomplishments. It's so important. I never celebrated my own accomplishments because I always thought that they weren't big enough. Yeah, you know, you're like, okay, well, I just did something here, uh, whatever. Like, I want, I want more. Yeah. So don't worry about this going through this mental health phase of my life, which I'm taking with me forever, I'm realizing that you need to celebrate everyone, big or small. And it doesn't have to be something like gigantic. You don't yeah. gotta like throw a huge celebration. But having a dinner with your friends is, is, yeah. is cool. Like why is that not? And not feeling like celebrating yourself is showing off. Oh my God. I mean, that's a hard you just, you, just, <laughs> you just said it. That's yeah. what it is. Cause I felt like if I'm celebrating myself, I don't want people to look at me like, Yo, like who this guy think he yeah. is? Yeah. Or because they might not be as accomplished, for example, yeah. or the, or you know, or they just don't. Some people they want the energy to revolve around them. Sure. Yeah. I, I was always the person that wanted to celebrate other people. Yes. For me, whatever my accomplishments are, I just downplay my accomplishments because some people might have, you know, thought it wasn't a big accomplishment. Yeah. And it's like then you realize you're never going to be satisfied if you yeah. act like this. Yeah. You know, like I put out some records, one of the records went gold. I didn't celebrate that. I just figured like... All right, cool, on right. to the next. You're like, oh, it wasn't platinum kind of thing. There you go. Like, oh, the next one will be platinum. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. yeah. So it's like, how do you like, when are you ever going to be happy? Like, and that's what my brother asked me. He goes, I think, you know, he's like, honestly, he told me a few years ago, he's like, you know, you, you're at a certain point in your life where you're always going to want more and it's not going to be enough for you. And I, I always was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll be all right. Thinking back to who I was then, I'm like, oh my God, like, what were you talking about? <laughs> well, part of you also probably thinks to yourself, because I know I do this, it's just like, yeah, what's wrong with wanting more? Yeah. I, I want the world. I want it all. Right. But then you lose sight of the things, the wins, and then you get to that, you get to that place. You look back and you're like, what did I actually feel throughout all of this? Yeah. yeah. Here's the list of accomplishments. Totally. I'm just talking to myself here, but what did I actually enjoy? Mm-hmm. Right? Like I spent so much hours. I missed out on this and that and I didn't do this. I didn't give myself that. And now I could say I have these things and I'm like, so what? Yeah. It, it, you know, it's crazy you say that because I even watched um, Russell Peters on this podcast mm-hmm. and I never saw that side of him before. Mm-hmm. And to see one of the, uh, you posted one of the stuff, one of the, uh, sorry, one of the posts on your Instagram page. And um, he was talking about what doesn't matter to him anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're buying these cars, you're you're wearing all this, you know, designer and all this Big stuff. House, all these all things. This, all these things matters. to get women, yeah. right? And it doesn't, none of that matters. Honestly, for me, I'm like, I was one of those people that just wanted to buy designer all the time. 
there's nothing wrong with it. Everyone has their interests in things that they like. I'm not really interested in doing that anymore because that's not going to help me be happier. Mm-hmm. You're going to have, you know, a couple of people say, hey, that's a nice shirt or that's whatever. And that's great. But that's, again, seeking validation from wanting someone to look at you and be like, yo, that's a nice shirt. Yeah. When really it's like, you know, it, it's external. like external. It all yeah. ends up being external. Yeah. Ultimately. Like money don't make the man at the end of the day. It doesn't. 100%. You know? It doesn't. And just people want to make it seem like it does. It doesn't. Yeah. Like it's okay to be who you are. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times, especially in this industry, it's so easy to get lost. Yeah. There's so, like I said, like earlier, there's access to everything. And um, fortunately, like I don't drink or smoke. Um, like I said, I learned from mistakes of like my, my dad and, um, you know, not to say what he did was wrong. I just think that he could have obviously handled the situation better. Um, Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. And if you're not comfortable answering that, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Have you reconciled the relationship with your dad? Mm-hmm. And it happened like right before he passed. That's works. Because it's I felt like we never, you know, like imagine being younger and like, okay, for example, I DJ a party when I'm 17. Mm. I come home three o'clock in the morning turn on the light and my dad's passed out I think he's dead on the floor you gotta lift him up you gotta bring him to cause he'd always sleep on the couch because he would hide the alcohol underneath the couch so you could never get it to go pour it out and then I have to hide his car keys and I don't there was several times I had to call the ambulance to come get him bring him to the hospital cause I didn't know what was going on right. um, and my, my dad didn't drink to enjoy himself he was drinking to escape his problems and him and my mother didn't really get along and they should have done something about it. You know, I remember one time, um, and this is like, no one obviously knows this except my internal circle, but I came home one day from DJing, all the lights were on in my house and my parents weren't there. It was four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what happened? Like, I don't even know what to think. So imagine like we had tenants living downstairs at the time and I knocked on the door and I said, do you know where my parents are? You know what they told me? They said they both got arrested. My mother used to think that calling the cops was like calling a counselor, mm. you know? She didn't really understand how that worked. Yeah. So she called the cops, they came to the house. She said, uh, my dad must have uh, hit her on her wrist or something, and he mu- she must have hit, hit. I don't even. I don't know what exactly happened, but yeah. that was kind of the story. They must have um, been shoving each other. I don't know. And the cops made an example to let them know don't call the cops for like stupid stuff because mm-hmm. it was nothing that serious. Like they weren't really like physically they fighting. Were fighting, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So they went to jail, and then the next morning I had to go to court, and I could only bail out one of them. So imagine that. Oof. I'm sitting in the court in the courthouse like how do you make that call who are you gonna who's stronger and crazy crazy enough my mom's actually stronger than my dad mm-hmm. and and I say it's crazy enough because generally like you think the man would be yeah right yeah. and um and and that's no like no shot at females at no, all not yeah. at all it's just it's a general it's a cultural thing right yeah. and yeah like I was calling my mom's brother which is my uncle off the hook to be like look you got to come bail out my mother so I could bail on my father. And um, he finally answered, came. They both got bailed out. And that's another time for me that I should have saw a therapist or mm-hmm. talked to somebody. But because I'm always a strong person, 
whatever. I'll figure it out. I'll be all right. And then, yeah, then after that, my mom lost her job. And then when she lost her job, she went into depression. And then my dad was still drinking. Hmm. And then the, you know, the doctor was telling my dad, listen, if you drink, if you have one more drink, you're going to die. So imagine dealing with like two like sick people. And you're trying to build yourself and you're trying to focus on a career and all these things. I, I went through all of that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how do you start your life when your parents aren't right? Yeah. yeah. So you put so much of your life on hold to be like, okay, you know what? I'll be all right. Let me take care of them. And then let me take care of me. But that taking care of me was just seeing the next day. Yeah. You know, and you're at uh, the bottom of that list. Right. So it's like, how do you overcome this? Or how do you like, I, I had no idea what to do. Mm. And uh, yeah, and then literally, I remember I had to, um, I had an opportunity, I had the best weekend in New York. So right before I left, I went to go see my dad, and my mom. And I said, Look, I have this opportunity to go to New York. I'm going to DJ on 106 and Park. Nice. nice. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and then I'm going to go do, I'm going to DJ on satellite radio yeah. on Sirius XM for, I think it was Hip Hop Nation or one of those stations. And they're going to interview me. And I figured, like, I'm lit now, you know, like, they're interviewing this DJ from Toronto, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So I remember giving him $50, I think it was. I gave him $50 and I go, look, just buy whatever you want for today and tomorrow to eat. And uh, he, he gave me a hug, but that hug felt like it was the last one. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how it felt to me. And then yeah, I went to New York. I DJ. I DJ on 106 in Park. I did Sirius XM. Great weekend. Like I went to Power 105. Sus One, who was a DJ on Power 105, showed me the studio. It was just like a great experience for yeah. me, and it gave me a lot of motivation. And then there was a snowstorm in New York, so me and my friend took a taxi to JFK because that's where we flew out of and we missed our flight. So I was like, okay, well, we missed our flight. It's snowing out here. Um, the next flight was supposed to come and they canceled the flight. So we're already at the airport and they said, well, there's a there's a red eye at night. You can just stay here. We already checked out of our hotel. So we're just sleeping at the airport. I get this call. My, brother's, my brother called me like six times. I was knocked on one of those, the yeah. airport chairs. Yeah. I pick up the phone, I'm like, yo. I, he's like, yo, where you at? I said, I'm still in New York. I'm just waiting on this flight because I missed the other one, the other one got canceled. He's like, bro. He's like, are you around anybody right now? I'm like, yeah, my boy, but he's he's knocked. He goes, yo, your dad passed in his sleep. And I was like, oh. it was crazy because in our culture, you have to go to, so I have to go to their house, right? when someone passes, you have to help the coroner take the body out of the house. Yes. So, and I never knew that. Yeah, you leave it there. Right. So I had to literally, like I called my mom, and at this time my mom's already in depression already. Mm -hmm. So they just made it worse, obviously. So I got back, went to the crib, and I had to take, so I walked in with the coroner, he was already there. Went upstairs to their room, he, he's like, do you want to see him? I'm like, what, what, do I, what do I say to this, you know? Yeah. So he turned him over, and I looked at him, I'm like, that's, at that moment, I was like, you know what? Life is so short, because we already knew that, but you look at your parents like superheroes. Like, I don't think they're ever gonna die. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. My dad went from looking, you know, 50 one day to looking 60 in like two months. I just didn't even know what happened to him. But yeah, like we took the body out and then, you know, in our culture, like we, we cremate bodies mm-hmm. and it was a three day span. They don't do longer than three days. Right. So imagine calling all this family to come to this funeral and do all. So I'm busy, wrapped up in inviting everybody and making sure everything's cool. My mom is is trying to tell me that she has no money, but she's she's so caught up in depression that she doesn't even she doesn't know what she's talking about. So I had to literally tell her mom, "Don't worry, I paid for the funeral." And yeah, like it was it was such an experience that I went through where it's like nothing in this world could ever jade me from like pushing my dad's coffin into an oven. Yeah, no one could ever like can do anything bad to you that can compare to that. You could do anything you want to me, but it's never gonna affect me like that. Like it's gonna get me to a point where, yeah, I'll have my down days, but that, and that's that's what my brother told me. I didn't even realize, because he's like, how are you so strong, like dealing with all the things you deal with? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, bro, you opened the casket, looked at him, kissed him, closed it, and pushed in the oven. He's like, bro, like, do you know how much strength you need for that? But I was so into like, we just wanna, I just want to like let everything go. Like, I'm like, okay, let me just, I'm so immense in all this work, setting up the funeral, making sure my mom's good, mm. making sure the people are okay that are there. Like, I'm not even thinking about anything. And mind you, at this time, I'm teaching kindergarten too. So like, I'm literally, you know, coming back from New York, ready to go to work on Monday. And my, my dad just passed. So like, you know, the school showed me love, like the principal was there, like my teaching partner came, like it was a lot of love. So that helped me get through. But I didn't do that work on myself. I just said, uh, I didn't take time to grieve or mourn. So it is what it is, I'll get there. And I just replaced it with being busy. This is what I told my friend the other day, he was going through some stuff and I'm like, so what are you doing to get over this? He goes, I'm just, I just need work, I'm just busy. I'm like, take the time, bro. Yes. A lot of the times people, they think like they try to distract themselves with something else. Right. It's, it's gonna come back. Like it'll 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 come back. So it you will have to take the time. Inevitably will. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I didn't do that I learned from. Where I was like, okay, look, you didn't take time to grieve to grieve. Um but I'm just happy that we were at peace and we had like real conversations before he you know, before it was his time, but you know I'm glad you, you got that chance. Yeah, me too. Because honestly my Not brother Dude. My brother didn't have that chance. Yeah. He moved when he was younger, lived in, lived in Windsor, and then he got a radio gig in Cayman Islands. He was gone for eight years. Um, he got married. I, I think for him, yeah, like he even tells me to this day that he regrets not being around a lot. Yeah. But everyone's path is different. I think a lot of the times like I'd resent him too and be like, yo, why'd you leave me to deal with yeah. this on my own? Like, so That's not who you are. So I'm not going to say that, but yeah. it's like you're 18, 17, 16, and I'm 14. So I'm at an age where I don't even know what's going on. I just think this is real life. Seeing my parents fight physically seems real to me. That's all you know. It's, yeah. So I'm yeah. thinking, oh, this is real. This is this shit happens all the time, but not knowing that it doesn't. And yeah, it was just like a, a crazy eye opener for me to not have resentment because listen, like if my brother didn't, you know, move away, he he probably would have ended up a different way because he took what my parents were going through negatively mm. 
where he'd start drinking. It affected him differently. Right. Yeah. He started so drinking. It's almost as if he needed to leave. Right. Yeah. So I think that, like, for me, I guess I was a bit stronger to withstand that. But yeah, I think I think life is 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 truly um, precious, and you got to do your best to like be there for people that are there for you, and um, just always put your best foot forward. You know. Well, so, you do a lot of like it. Being there for others seems to be a, a central core of your personality. Um, one of the things that you talked about earlier was Tasty Mix. Mm-hmm. So that's another DJ inspired, like you're working to help other DJs right. as well. Is that something that's ongoing? Is that something you're still working on? So, you know, with, with the Tasty Mix, I felt like it, the stars aligned at the right time. Uh, Mary Brown's has always had a commitment to the community, yeah. and so have I. And I felt like I'm so happy that the, the stars aligned when they did because they've done a, several, you know, efforts, um, you know, fundraising. They've done a lot of stuff with the Boys and Girls Club, and I loved their whole like direction of things they were doing for the community. As well, they're obviously a Canadian company, been around since like 1969. <laughs> like, mm, yeah, didn't realize that. Did yeah, like I over didn't know twenty. They were Canadian. Yeah, yeah, they're Canadian. Yeah, or, like, I, I've. I've only heard about them maybe, well, now it's been about 15, 20 years, but like obviously been around for a lot longer. Yeah. Because like growing up was just KFC. It right? was always, yeah. And then, yeah, it, was Popeyes, the and then it was Popeyes. Yeah. Right? So then Mary Brown's came, but yeah. Mary Brown's been around longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is an initiative that basically supports other DJs. Yeah, so I was I was talking to um, Dakota. So she, she has a company called EQ and they handle all my um, endorsement deals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had a conversation and I was telling her, I'm like, I want to do something again for the DJs, but I want to do something for the new DJs, like the up and coming ones, because I don't think they have direction. You know, you can literally like download 3000 songs and organize your stuff and you're a DJ. Mm. It's how it is now. Now it's just, it's always been based off of obviously relationships and so forth, but the skill isn't really a thing like that anymore to me. Club owners will look at it like, you know, can you book two tables tonight? Hmm. Cool, I'll hire yeah, you. Yeah, like who can you bring in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not about your talent anymore. Like you can you can be decent, but what's your relationship like with the owner? And how many people can you bring through the door? Yeah, you right. Guess yeah. how many people can get get on your guest list? If you can get 15, 20 people, all right, cool, <laughs> we got you. Right. Yeah. So it's like, how does the DJ that is an introvert like me that was forced to be an extrovert get a gig? Yeah. Because like what I would do, I'd go to the clubs and talk to the promoters. So how does the sorry, how does the promote like how does the partnership with Mary Browns work into this? Well, basically, since we we're, like I said, we're we're aligned together in terms of community. I said let's do something where we can really showcase these DJs that are coming up. Yeah. Let's put something out there. Let DJs submit a mix. Let's do it, you know, Canada wide, and select you know ten DJs yeah. to see what they can do. And I was very adamant on female DJs being involved. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't, this is a very male dominated industry and it's been like that. But now I have some power to say, no, I don't want it to be like that right now. Mm-hmm. I want it to be, or I don't want it to be like that at all. Mm-hmm. I need females involved as well. So we put it out there um, and it was a, it's a 10 part YouTube series. We selected 10 really incredible DJs from different parts. I think we have someone from Edmonton, someone from Calgary, um, not just Toronto, yeah. which is great. And um, yeah, we uh, we have four of the mixes live now. The good part about it is, you know, it's promoted digitally, like nationwide, which yeah. is great. Yeah, they put a heavy ad spend behind all the mixes, 
which is great. I never had anything like that. Yeah, up. like yeah. to have that kind. You think of anyone's gonna come up to me and be like, "Yo, Charlie, about your fifty records?" That is not happening, <laughs> yeah. bro. You know, yeah. it's good to help them out too. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, it's it's just good energy, right? Mm. Like being in that space. Um, you know, and I remember when Dakota, she was telling me, she's like, "Yeah, they get to meet you and whatever." I'm like, "Meet me? Like, let's not talk about me, bro. We're trying <laughs> to push them." them. Yeah. But then it's just like, I'm now not agreeing that I put in work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, okay, cool, I guess. You know, I'm so not good with, like, people giving me praise. Mm. I can't take it for some reason. But now I'm learning to be like, okay, yeah, I did put in work. Like, I do deserve this. Well, um, I'm going to give you praise because you deserve it. <laughs> all the all the, the work that you do to support others. Yeah. When you have an incredible story. Yeah. A lot of challenges along the way. A lot of reasons to pack up and say, I'm done. Yeah. And you continue to push through that and not just in survival mode, but in growth mode. How do we help others? Right. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And I mm -hmm. think you do incredible work. No, and I just want to express that to you because I'm grateful that you've come through and you've shared this story with us. Yeah, yeah really. it was. Uh, yeah. Like, like, thank you so much. No, no. That's a, it's been a pleasure. Like, it, I think I feel like it's it's, you know, with certain things when you have say anxiety, you know, I'm sure all of us have it, but some have it more than others. Yeah. When you when you face your anxiety, you've kind of conquered that part, right? Where it's like, okay, like I'm coming here to talk to you guys about some real shit. It's not really like I'm not here to talk about just like, oh, I'm promoting this or I got this coming out. It's like this is something that's held close to me mm -hmm. that real. I'm going to share. Something real, yeah. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Something real. So I think that like, you know what you're saying is obviously a lack of a better term. Like I'm coming here to tell you some real shit about yeah. me. And I think that, like, I feel stronger now having done that. So that's not going to be an angst for me in the future. Yeah. Right? Because I just feel like certain things don't need to be shared. Yeah. But then when I look at what's happening in the world, you got to share it. You, you got <laughs> to share how you get through these bad times. Because one, reminds you that you got through it. But everyone's going to go through some bad times, right? Yeah. It's like... And they're going to keep coming. So it's like, you got to, okay, I got through it doing this way. This might not work for you in this situation, but don't forget about this because maybe the next situation you might be able to, what I what I said might be able to help you, might be able to resonate with you in that sense. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's so important because I never had, like I never had anything to look at to show me why I was going through what I was going through. Mm. And then, you know, obviously like, not to go off topic, but you mentioned this, uh, you mentioned, sorry, uh, Jay Shetty. And he's helped me so much. Hmm. I, I never knew how powerful someone could be until I started watching his podcast and listening to them at the gym or just like listening to them while I'm driving because he just really hit the nail on everything that I've been going through. And I'm like, I never, I know people go through things, but it's all about how they kind of deliver their how message. They deliver it, yeah. And he's been able to like deliver the messages properly to me because yeah. I felt like he was talking to me. So I saw he was coming to Toronto. I'm like, I need to go to the show. You gotta go, yeah. I regret not being able to go. Yeah, it was honestly, it was unbelievable. Like one of my good friends is Humble the Poet. He's He's got a lot of books out. He's from here. Yeah. We were actually trying to get him on. Oh, yeah? yeah. That's all. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, I'll definitely do that for you guys. Oh, for that'd sure. be, yeah. He'd that'd love be to grateful. do that. Yeah. So I was talking to Humble and I, and I was telling him, I go, I know you've been on Jay's podcast. Like, I really want to go to his show. And obviously, I'd pay for a ticket. Like, I'm not really tripping over that. Mm -hmm. um, but he's like, nah, I got you. So he connected me with, with Jay and his team. And uh, I did the meditation with him prior to the show. There was like maybe like 10 of us, which was great. 
And then after the show, I met him. And it was like, I couldn't even talk, bro. Like, I met him and I'm like, this was AJ, not Charlie. Yeah. But I felt like I met Red Hart yeah, <laughs> when yeah, I was yeah, a kid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just felt, I couldn't, I didn't even know what to say. I yeah. literally just said, thank you. Mm. That's it. But that was like a big stepping stone for me to actually tell somebody that I don't even know how much they've helped me grow. Yeah. It's the same thing with your guys, you know, with, with your podcast. Like, I watched Russell Peters' interview and I'm like, wow. Like, I would never, I never would have known anything about his story like that. Unless, and I've met him multiple times. I've, we've got a lot of mu mutual friends, but I'd never know he was thinking like that mm. until he came on the show. Mm. So not only is he helping get the message across, so are both of you. Yeah. Which, you. you know what I mean? Which is giving you guys your praise and your flowers because you deserve it. Because I never would have known that someone else was going through what I was going through un until I seen that. Because yeah. I would say to myself, why do I not care about buying designer this week? Mm. I cared about it last week. And then I watch this podcast and, and I'm like, wow, yeah, I totally why. understand why. Yeah. But yeah, going back to this this initiative um, that we're talking about, it's all about promoting the future. Hmm. I want to see these these upcoming DJs do well. And I want to, and it'll make me feel even a little happy knowing that I played a small part in helping them. Awesome, man. You've played a huge part in so many people's lives already. No, no I appreciate it. And you're going to do so much more. Yeah. And you've got two fans here three counting poncho yeah. um but honestly thank you for coming through uh this is an eye-opening conversation it it really makes me reminds me that i need to take stock of the things that go well and celebrate my own little wins yeah yeah and i hope you continue to do the same because you deserve your flowers no i appreciate it i mean look in life we, we all you know we're not we're not you know we don't always do everything the right way the right way yeah. i think we all make mistakes and the most important thing is to to learn from them yeah. and move forward, take the lessons with you and, um, you know, try to guide the right people that are around you so they can't, they don't make the mistakes you made. Yeah. And we're all a work in progress and I'm always, you know, I'm always going to be a student of the game. Amazing. So. We're all a work in one, progress. Sorry, I have one. I know time's, <laughs> time is tick. Time is, I did one question. Yeah, like, it was a long time. <laughs> what is, what is, uh, what is Charlie's favorite thing about AJ? Wow. That's a good one. I think I think Charlie's favorite thing about AJ is there's one thing that they both have in common and that's paying it forward and always helping other mm -hmm. people. That's one thing I could say that's really that really kind of has them meet in the middle. Okay. Where it's like Charlie helps people and so does AJ. Hmm. Right? Being able to differentiate like my circle of friends and knowing like okay, you don't rely on someone that you go to parties with to, you know, go to you know, go somewhere else with in terms of your personal part of your life, you know, and just, I think um, it's important to, you know, it's it's such a tough thing, you know, that question's very like, it's 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 hard because it's like, Charlie loves a lot of things about AJ, mm -hmm. but it, it definitely has to be, my, my trait, my character trait, and like something I've always done is help other people, whether it's Charlie or AJ. So I think Charlie's paying best. Paying it forward. Paying yeah. It forward. It's so important, bro. You gotta, you, you gotta, gotta do, do that. Always gotta pay it forward. Yeah. Thank you so and, much. And, and sorry, one more thing. Yeah. You got to do it for you. Yes. 100%. Not yeah. do it for what people are going to say. Yeah. Everything that I do, I do it for me. Yeah. Like, okay, look, I'm going to help this person because I want to do it. Yeah. Not because they're going to do something for me. Yeah. And I think people get it twisted sometimes. Yeah. But um, no, I appreciate your time. You know, this no, has been, you, this this has been great. Thank you, brother. This has been fantastic. Thank you for coming. I obviously through. wanted to come here, so I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, too. yeah, no, of I course. That. I was pushing so for it. I was yeah. like, man, honestly, these guys, you guys run your ship the right way. 
Thank you. Uh, it's everything across the board is incredible. Uh, I love what you guys are doing, and you know that motivates me to do more with yeah. the stuff I have going on. So beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, Poncho. Appreciate your time, Poncho. sir. Thank you, everybody. Sir. Thank you well, for listening. We really appreciate your time. All right, thank you. Too.